Happy Tuesday, everyone, and welcome to our first ever episode. First ever. Fix Tuesday at Automox. Now, we threw this podcast together to just discuss Microsoft's latest Patch Tuesday release, kind of go over vulnerabilities that we found interesting and have a little discussion about those. My name is uh, Tom Boyer, and I'm the Director of Security at Automox, and there's one more with me, and I'll let him introduce himself. Hi, I'm Jason Kikta, and I'm the CISO here at Automox, and really excited uh, to be starting this off with Tom. Super excited. So November is actually pretty late on vulnerabilities this time, but there are a couple worth discussing. Uh, Novembers that are light on vulnerabilities, uh, they always make me paranoid because I assume it's just the calm before the storm because they just want to like really wreck the holidays. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's one of those things that, that like you want to take it at face value, but you know, just that natural security paranoia, uh, always always makes you wonder like okay well what's coming next <laughs> right like who's ruining christmas this year right? yeah yeah <laughs> is it microsoft is it cisco like who's gonna ruin christmas <laughs> so many quality candidates for the uh the holiday destruction uh operation deny christmas that uh you know it's it's hard to it's hard to pick a favorite but but someone will figure it out <laughs> yeah like if we you know if the threat actors could just like take a break for those couple weeks that'd be much appreciated for well. So this first one here is smart screen Tom smart screen another bypass feature security bypass and smart screen it's uh you know almost a year to the day of the last bypass and smart screen and obviously this to me feels very nation stateish right for those that don't know what smart screen is it's basically like a reputation based system in windows defender that if you run some kind of weird binary, typically on your desktop, a little pop-up comes up that says like, you know, this is not very safe. And are you sure you want to run this? Right. Obviously lots of people pick yes, but a bypass there is quite interesting because, um, you know, fun fact, if you sign your binary with an EV certificate, like an EV code signing certificate, it automatically bypasses or gains like full reputation in windows so this this is the kind of thing that threat actors live for and especially state-sponsored ones they really enjoy things that you know bypassing security mechanisms is nice uh leveraging a security mechanism to do your dirty work for you is even better uh because you you appear normal to the system and you escape a lot of scrutiny, uh, you know, you, you don't get logged or if you get logged, you look innocuous and normal or even like, you know, a, a security positive rather than a negative. So like nothing but goodness for them there. I think another interesting aspect of this is, you know, this shows the danger of transitory assumptions because, you know, starting with the EV certificates themselves, you know, certificate signing authorities were never meant to you know provide a certain level of assurance that you know the, the assurance is that domain belongs to that certificate provider it doesn't do a lot of assurance about the identity ev certificates were meant to overcome some of that by requiring paperwork but what people didn't consider is 
what a you know major U.S. or British uh, certificate authority can do in terms of verification and validation for a major corporation does not extend down to uh, you know smaller certificate authorities, certificate authorities that have less resources in developing parts of the world. Uh, you know, writing certificates for you know at scale for a number of companies who have stuff in cloud providers. Like there, there's a lot of challenges there of just scale and scope that made made it so that in order to keep issuing EV certificates, they kept having to water down the standards, and you know, eventually got to the point where like EV certificates became more dangerous in many ways than <laughs> regular certificates. Uh, and then, and then to you know. Microsoft making what was probably a good faith decision that, you know, hey, these are inherently more trustworthy at the time when they were rolled out that, you know, we will, um, you know, not let it slow down this security check. Uh, probably right. a reasonable decision, but it was, you know, some of this transitory decision making of they're doing this level of diligence, therefore this is safe, therefore we will, it can bypass the security check. Then that level of diligence changed, but that that bypass didn't change, uh, and you know it just it never got circled back to to get repaired until you know it became a problem. And this one is a problem because it's on the CISA Kev, it's on the known exploited vulnerability database that the that CISA maintains for the U.S. government, and they you know in order for something to get on that list, that means they have to see ongoing exploitation in the wild. And like you pointed out, it is most likely a state actor. So definitely concerning, uh, definitely something that needs to be patched and addressed. And, and hopefully, uh, you know, the anyone impacted by this will, will give it the due attention and make sure it gets uh, fixed right away. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. So, you know, get it fixed. It seems very um, scary. So... I would say prioritize this one. I think over all the other ones from from this this, uh, this release. Hey Siri, stop! <laughs> when you know it, right, right in the middle of recording this. <laughs> so moving on to I, my probably favorite one. You know, I'm always a big fan. If you could be a fan of the the breakouts, the uh, the hypervisor breakouts, and you know, this Patch Tuesday came with one. Um, you know, 2023-36400, which is a Hyper-V breakout. Um, and it, you know, we trust our hypervisors to be safe. And I feel like any breakout is going to be kind of big news. And this one in particular, I find it to be quite interesting, right? Low privilege guest on the uh, hypervisor, just a whatever OS running. Obviously, as an attacker, I got to get on there first. But you know, having a binary that can break out into the system is absolutely incredible. I find it. Yeah, I think that you know, for a little bit of context here, it's it's important to understand that w what's changed, and there's really been two trends driving uh, the increase in interest in hypervisor breakouts. And the first is, you know, obviously increased use of hypervisors, right? We, we use a lot more virtualization than we did even five years ago, let alone 10 years ago. Uh, so it's somewhat ubiquitous in most corporate environments. 
The second thing is that privilege escalation used to be a very bread and butter technique and people paid less attention to it on the security side of things because they were more worried about those initial entry vectors and trying to shut those down. And those, those ought to be the priority, but you know, there's a lot of ways around that. It could be as simple as phishing. And so once they're on escalating privilege is extremely important to be able to either exploit that box individually or move laterally within the network. And there had, as a result, has been a lot of hardening around privilege escalation. There's been increased uh, and, and improved detection around privilege escalation. And so those have driven, those two factors together have driven threat actors, both the state and criminal, to looking more at hypervisor breakout, right? It's instant privilege escalation uh, because you're coming in as the hypervisor itself, essentially as, as the underlying hardware. And it's also, it, it doesn't force you to deal with all those new safety checks and guards and detections around privilege escalation. So extremely valuable as a class of vulnerability. Uh, and this one happens to be for Hyper-V, but, you know, it, as a as a class, you know, this is where the real sweet spot is in you know, current exploitation techniques. And, you know, and the other thing is to, to keep in mind is that when you see a vulnerability like this and a patch for it, uh, actors will take a close look at that. Uh, if this wasn't their technique, especially to see if they can extrapolate something from this to use on a competitor hypervisor, see if that technique will work. So, don't be surprised if in a few weeks we see similar patches from other hypervisor vendors, um, you know, guarding against it if the specifics line up. Yeah, exactly. And to me, it's like, you know, when people think about hypervisor breakouts, they think of cloud environments, Azure, AWS, Google, right? But this one in particular feels very much like I'm running a large scale internal network of assets right because in the cloud you don't necessarily know who your neighbors are per se but you know breaking out there although dangerous um you know you're not necessarily targeting another customer right but you know if i'm already in the network and i have a breakout to the hypervisor right there could be just a low privilege host running on the same hypervisor as um you know like your 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 domain controller, right? So instant right. access, right? Take a snapshot, turn it on somewhere else, then I'm in there. Right. Uh, you you may have this running as a you know some sandbox uh, testing environment for customers or a demo environment that maybe has no real important data on it. Um, it's very low privilege, but but the breakout allows them to either move into a more important system on the same, you know, under the same hypervisor, move into that other more important virtual machine, or maybe a virtual machine that's that's not also also not important, or maybe a virtual machine that's not also important itself, but has the necessary clues to be able to move laterally within that network and get into that management plane so you can get over to the systems that are, are really critical. So you know, several different paths to danger there, uh, which is why this is uh, something that we wanted to highlight for everyone. 
So another one that we want to talk about is CVE 2023-364-22. And this is a privilege escalation vulnerability in Microsoft Windows Defender. The CVE uh, has a has a CVSS uh, base score of 7.8, which sounds a little on the low side, but this one's actually somewhat concerning. The the attack vector is local uh, because it's a privilege escalation, so that makes sense. But the complexity is low, the privileges required are low, and no user interaction uh, is required. Uh, you know, again, like we talked about with smart screen, uh, you know, leveraging a security product or a security mechanism uh, is extremely helpful to actors and it's a valuable uh, path to get what they want to get. So, you know, this one will have a lot of interest and if it remains unpatched, it'll be in use very quickly. Yeah. I mean, it's not like you can just remove Defender from your endpoints, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, that's a pretty important one to keep. I mean, I think the only thing that keeps this from being, you know, more on fire is that the um, list, the exploit code maturity is unproven. So, you know, the fortunate thing is there's a little bit of time with this one, but it could be a rather high impact. Most likely it is by virtue of Defender scanning something that uh, you'll get privilege escalation, which means if you can get privilege escalation as part of that parsing process, then you're also presumably not going to get marked as malicious because you can just bypass that right away as you go to system level privileges. So right. um, it's it's really kind of a twofer when you when you go after after the actual uh, AV or EDR itself, and that's why I'd, I'd be worried about it. And these are hard to do too, right? Like yeah. part of the problem is parsers are hard. Parsers are what gets so many people uh so many products in security trouble and you know defender by its very nature has to do a lot of parsing like it's just right. it is inherent to its job so yeah. um you know not surprised <clears throat> to see these kinds of vulnerabilities but these are definitely ones to prioritize well cool uh you know we we appreciate everyone listening and hanging out with us today we hope you enjoyed our very first iteration of Automox's Fix Tuesday, and we hope we enlightened you with some of the vulnerabilities we're thinking about and some of the things that keep us up at night. Thanks so much, and we'll uh, we'll see you all in December. See ya. Outro music. Ba -bum -bum. Yeah. <laughs> all right. It's going to be something dorky. I know. Let me stop this.